Okay, we're in First Peter chapter 1, and I'll be reading verses 6 through 9 for this afternoon. First Peter chapter 1, beginning with verse 6. In this ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold trials, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom, having not seen, ye love, in whom, though now ye see him not yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Shall we look to the Lord in prayer? Loving Father, we do thank you for the reading of the scripture. Pray, Lord, minister it to us that we may receive those things that you have for us and that we may know of the truth of the joy of our salvation, even in the midst of sufferings or trials. Father, we thank you and praise you for your word and the blessing of it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the title of the message this afternoon is Our Present Joy is Christ. And we find that even in the midst of trials or sufferings, we find that this paradox remains true. That though we are in the midst of some sorrow because of trial, Yet there is joy in our salvation and in in our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. I suppose one of the things that we can relate to most easily in this present evil world is to recognize that we all have some, some kind of trial or suffering upon us at one time or another. And of course, in the first century church, we can understand the idea of trials and sufferings for these believers who found themselves under the persecution of Jewish uh, persecutors, those who were not interested in promoting the cause of Christ, but rather wanted to stamp it out and even of those in the government which seem to want to promote uh, emperor worship, of course, rather than the worship of the Christian God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And of course, in a society where uh, idolatry was practiced openly and publicly in temples and various kinds of places where there were sacrifices and the light going on to um, honor these uh, gods of society, uh, we find that the Christians were under the gun, so to speak, and were suffering in that regard, to say nothing about perhaps if the emperor had recently made some edict or another and was wishing to stamp out more of these Christians who were uh, a plague on their 
uh, society. So suffering and glory, the date of the writing, of course, for Peter is uh, uh, about 65 AD. And uh, so even at this time, we find that the Christians were under some persecution. They had not subsided a great deal at all. And we find that as uh, we look at the idea of trials, we find that it is pretty much a universal concept among believers that there are trials because of the faith. Um, We can relate to that even in our contemporary society uh, because we know that there are uh, different aspects of of sufferings and persecutions which go on. Uh, Sometimes even in our own families, uh, people uh, persecute one another simply because they don't agree with uh, the idea of Christianity or they don't agree with the uh, uh, idea of preaching the gospel of Christ um, and especially of speaking out boldly about the Lord Jesus. So we find that the trials of our faith are ever-present with us. And uh, because of the times in which we live, we can see where trials will eventually become more prominent than they are even today. Uh, Of course, in some countries other than the United States, there are ongoing trials right now, whether it be in India or China or South America or various other uh, areas where uh, Christianity is not as favorable. Uh, So we'll look at three areas, four areas actually that are we mentioned here. First of all, a living hope results in joy. Uh, We spoke about the living hope that is in Christ um, last week and how that it is because of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus that we can we can have a living hope, a a lively hope, a hope that is in the Lord because he became victorious over sin and, and death and The sufferings of Christ bought for us the way of eternal life as he himself shed his blood for us. And so we find that uh, this living hope results in joy for the Christian. The joy of the Christian is not the things that happen to us. It is the things that we know by faith and can live in hope of the Lord Jesus and his coming again. Uh, Secondly, trials refine or purify our faith. Uh, We find that trials are very much a work of God sometimes to to draw us nigh unto the the Savior. And so trials can purify our faith. That is, um, if there were not for some amount of suffering and trials, for our faith. Uh, the question is, would we stand true when it came time to do so? Or would we be more willing just to go along and not cause any waves? But once we find ourselves under trials for our faith, once we are tested for our faith, we find that that testing improves our walk with God because we need to stand for what we believe. Trials refine or purify. Uh, thirdly, trials work to prove 
the reality of our faith. And so this twofold aspects of, of, trial, of trials in our life not only refine us, that is, makes us stronger and uh, more pure for the Lord, but we find that they, they prove this, the true sense or the true reality of our belief system. Are we going to stand up for what we believe when it comes time, or are we going to cave in to public pressure and uh, denounce? Um, you can imagine in the first century church, if there were a trial which came up because of the government, um, and uh, they had to bow down to emperor worship or worship the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, what would they do? Well, if they truly did love the Lord and their faith was genuine and there was some sense of true reality to it, they would deny emperor worship and they would seek to live for the Lord. It might take them to the Colosseum. It might uh, cause them to be imprisoned. It might cause ostrac- uh, to, to be ostracized from, from uh, the general public. There uh, might be a number of things that, that would uh, take place. Perhaps people wouldn't want to do business with you. Perhaps they wouldn't want to associate with you. Perhaps they wouldn't want to, they wouldn't want to be known as, a, as your friend any longer. Uh, there could be all kinds of different things in the first century. Uh, and when we come down to it, even in our own society today, it's becoming less and less popular uh, to be known as a Christian. Only among other Christians, perhaps, is it, is it more popular uh, to be a Christian. So you find a large group of uh, believers and they gather together because of their faith and because they have a, a true sense of, of companionship and fellowship in Christ. But outside of that group, um, it becomes more and more difficult to stand for one's faith, even in today's society. Uh, whether it's a family or your brother or your sister or your aunt or your uncle or other siblings, you find that if they know that you're a believer and you try to say something to them or you try to promote your own faith to them, uh, you'll find very quickly that they will say to you, please don't preach to me, uh, I don't want to hear it. Um, why are you talking to me about this? Um, I have my own life to live, you have yours. They'll come up with various kinds of things to say to you. And you, you, of course, know that. And then finally, uh, joy is the result of saving faith in the finished work of Christ. You see, we, uh, the, if this joy is truly the result of, of um, our walk with God and of our true saving grace that we know, then it is because of Christ. That is the, where the joy comes from. It comes from the reality of knowing Jesus as your Savior. And so we find that these things um, remain true. Well, let's begin with verse 6 just for a moment and look at some of these thoughts here. Um, In this ye greatly rejoice, knowing now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold trials. And so um, Peter was um, seeking to comfort, perhaps, or to encourage these believers uh, recognizing that their hope, their, their, their true life was in Christ, and uh, realizing that they were living in a society where trials would, would eventually come upon them, if, not, if they were not already upon them. He says, in this ye greatly rejoice, 
though now for a season, a season, there are often seasons of trials. We, don't, we find that we will go along pretty well for a time and things seem to be going fairly smoothly. You're able to continue uh, doing your work. You're able to have some kind of rapport with people around you. Um, but then all of a sudden there may be some area that is beginning to crop up and you find that there is a season of trial that is upon you. And so the, the early Christians have seasons of trials, yes. And uh, because of their idea of, of trials may have been directly from the society around them. They might have been from the government. They might have been from religious leaders in the area who were trying to promote something else other than true Christianity. But we find that there are seasons of trials. Uh, the, Lord, the Lord had seasons of trials. Uh, of course, they came upon him. And we know early on in his ministry, he did most of his work uh, kind of in a private way. He met uh, different people. He encountered people <clears throat> at different times, and he was able to minister to them. He might be able to heal somebody. He might be able to have some uh, opportunity to explain to them a parable or teach a spiritual truth or to call his disciples. And uh, for a time, we found that the Lord was, was prospering in the things that he was doing. And uh, the Lord was, was with him. Um, and so things went along good until it began to crop up against the, the government or against the Sanhedrin or against the, the religious rulers, the rabbis or, or whoever it might be that was uh, felt it were giving some opposition. And, and it became a season of trial for the Lord. And then, of course, we know it finally led to um, greater seasons of trials. And then uh, at the end, the government, of course, captured him and brought him before the governor, before Pilate, and uh, so on. And we find that those seasons intensified. And so we, we know seasons of trials will come upon us. And it says, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold trials. Through manifold trials. And so sometimes these trials do come and they are more difficult to, uh, to manage, you might say. But we find that they are, sometimes they become manifold. Sometimes they, they kind of crop up and there's more than one uh, trial. Even in our lives, we, we often find ourselves going through different difficulties. You might not call them trials in the same way that Jesus suffered. But we find that it's hard to make decisions. And we find that sometimes those decisions will lead us into um, a more difficult period of time if we, if we stick with what we want to do, and um, especially when it comes to Christianity and to our walk of faith. So um, these trials, they, they often come. But we find that trials refine or purify our faith, as he says in verse 7, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth. Now gold, of course, is a precious commodity. Uh, you might have a little bit hanging on your finger. <coughs> uh, that you have 14 karat gold or something. Uh, but if you have 24 karat gold, well, that's a little, little better. Um, <coughs> and of course, um, we, normally we don't have a lot of it around. But 14 karat gold is more common. Sometimes it's 10 karat. It's even a little bit less. 
but gold is refined. That's how it becomes much more, um, much purer, you might say, much purer. And but the raw gold, the raw gold, um, had to be refined in order to produce this this uh, better quality of gold. And so the trials of your faith being much more precious than gold. So we're told that, that our trials are valuable. Now we don't often think about them that way, do we? We, we think about them in a sense, well, I wish I didn't have to go through that. Or I don't like confrontations. Or when, when I try to tell somebody uh, about my faith, they don't want to hear it. And uh, it's disappointing. It becomes, we, we even might get a little discouraged or a little depressed over it that somebody isn't ready to hear. Somebody, you know, and we think to ourselves, well, they want me to hear them. I'm supposed to sit and listen to them when they want to tell me something, but because I want to tell them something, they don't want to hear me. And so we, we kind of, um, this little psychological war, which is a really a spiritual warfare, is going on. But yet we find it is more precious than gold. More precious than gold. That perishes. That perish, perishes. That is, you think of gold as pretty enduring stuff. But yet, um, um, where is all of Solomon's gold? You, see, you think about the, all the gold Solomon had. But what about all the gold in Egypt and, uh, and so forth? Well, I was just listening to one of the documentaries on on uh, King Tut's um, treasures and how they found them. Well, they was all buried underground in the Valley of the Kings and they had to dig them up. And then what did they do with them? They, they put, put them in the museum in Cairo or perhaps they're in Paris and, or maybe in England or someplace, some museum. Um, and they're preserved there. But when you look at the gold, you see even some of the gold that you view on, in these museums looks like it's somehow corrupted. Uh, it's not all there. It doesn't, doesn't have the same exact look that it perhaps had when it was first put there. So gold can corrupt. Gold uh, can somehow decay, uh, whether it's by use or whether it's by other things that are coming in contact with it. But gold can can uh, can suffer damage. But our faith, our faith, it's really it's saying to us that true faith does not damage, does not corrupt. True faith does not corrupt. The trial of your faith being much more precious than that of gold, though it be tried with fire, what is it? It's found, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus. So true faith uh, is eternal. Eternal. Now natural faith isn't eternal, is it? Natural faith will only last for a little bit. You must you'd say, well, I, I set out on a new project and I, had, uh, you know, I wanted to accomplish and you, you, you believed you could do it. So you, you set out to do it. You ever tr- thought about climbing Mount Everest and people who have the faith and the stamina and the endurance to climb Mount Everest? Oh my. Uh, I'd, I'd be defeated at the base of the mountain. <laughs> but some people do it. Some people do it. You know, They, they have faith they can make it to the top. Uh, but I, not me. But, um, but the faith that I have in Jesus, you see, is enduring faith. Now why is it enduring? It's enduring because of Christ.
not enduring because of me. You know, if it was up to me, I would have quit a long time ago. But you see, because Christ is in you, the hope of glory, Colossians 1.27, Christ is in you. How is he in you? By the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit indwells the believer. And Christ is in us. And that faith, that faith which is truly the result of the Word of God, as faith comes by hearing and the hearing by the Word of God, we find that faith is enduring. True faith is enduring. And uh, so what is it enduring in? It's enduring to the Lord. Enduring in the Lord. And that, that faith might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. And so it will carry us through. He said that the trial of your faith, the trial of your faith, um, and so our faith goes through these seasons of trials. We find ourselves being tested. We find ourselves being put to, uh, put to the test, as it were. And uh, it will last, it will endure, if it is genuine. And uh, it will be preserved unto honor and glory in the Lord Jesus. And so trials refine or purify our faith. Thirdly, trials work to prove the reality of our faith. The reality. And so this is important, isn't it? It's in verse 8. Whom having not seen, ye love. You haven't seen Jesus lately, have you? I've never seen him at all. I've never seen him at all. And yet we have faith in Jesus. And our faith is enduring faith. See, it's eternal faith because of Christ. In whom having not seen ye love, we love him because he first loved us, the scripture says. And so if he hadn't loved us, we wouldn't love him. But because he has loved us, we do love him. And each of us can relate to that. Even though we haven't seen Jesus, we know Jesus. Even though we, he hasn't done anything uh, presently, uh, that we might remember other than what the scripture says that he died for our sins according to the scriptures he was raised again on the third day and is seated at the right hand of the Father because he has shown his great love for us we love him we love him see in this world somebody does something for you and you say oh I love that person they, they, they did something great for me I love that person you see but this is different he says whom having not seen ye love, in whom though now ye see him not, we don't see Jesus now, except by faith, you see, yet believing ye rejoice with joy unspeakable. Believing. Believing is everything, isn't it? Faith is everything for the Christian. If it was not for faith, we, we, would, not, uh, uh, we would not be where we are today. In our walk with Christ. We, but believing, you rejoice. Believing in Jesus, you rejoice. With joy unspeakable. Now we can't put it into words many times what we feel about our faith. Um, in fact, if you tried to tell somebody what you feel about your faith, you probably would come up with a few things to say. You'd probably say, well, the Lord saved me when I was 19. You probably say, "Well, I was a terrible sinner, and the Lord forgave me everything I ever did." You might, you, you might, you might say, I, "I go to church, and there are some wonderful Christians I know, and, and they they love me and care for me, and and I have good fellowship with them." You might tell them some things like that, uh, but 
some they might relate you know, they might relate to it a little bit but many of the things which we have by faith they're unspeakable they're unspeakable they're not exactly tangible in the sense that the world looks at tangibility uh, we say well the Lord forgave me well who how do you know the Lord forgave you I just know it because Jesus told me so you see, the, the things that we, they're, uh, they're difficult to explain. They're difficult to explain. We can talk about them, um, but we have a joy in them. A joy in them, which in many ways is unspeakable. And it is full of glory. Full of glory. That is, we, 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 we do not uh, in any way diminish what Jesus has done for us. Anybody that tries to diminish what Jesus has done for them, I question whether or not they're really saved. Uh, you know, because Jesus has, has done some things that we cannot fathom, actually. What is it that Jesus shed his blood? A lot of people shed blood. How come Jesus' blood being so wonderful? It is divine blood. It is the blood of Christ, blood of God, God's only begotten Son. You see, it's difficult to explain that to somebody um, so we have these unspeakable things. We, we are full of the glory of God for these things. And we find that they are a blessing to us. They are a true blessing. But this is all because of trials. You see, trials refine or purify. Trials work to prove the reality of our faith. And so the reality of our faith comes out in our response to these trials that we suffer. It comes out. Uh, verse 9, Receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your soul. Now this is the, this is the culmination, if you will. This is the, the end of it. This, this is the very thing I've been waiting for here. The salvation of my soul. Well, you say, well, I know that Christ has forgiven me. I know that uh, He has promised me a home in heaven. I know that these things will come to pass because God has promised that they will come to pass and he is providing a place for me. He's preparing a place for me in, in heaven. And so the result, the result of saving faith is in the finished work of Christ. It's in the finished work of Christ. If it were not for the finished work of Christ, we could not make these claims, you see. And so receiving the end of your faith, even, or the salvation of your soul. Of course, the word even is applied there. Receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. That is what, is what we are waiting for. The full glorification of our faith is salvation. To be with Christ. Because of the finished work of Christ. Now I would be the first one to tell you we have to keep telling ourselves these things. Why? Because we're still in the flesh. We, we are affected by the, the flesh in this world by so many things. So many things uh, um, come at us, you know. Our emotion, our intellect, our will, if it's not in complete relationship with God, uh, any of those elements of our life can be can cause us to get a little loopy at times, you might say. 
we don't always take things the way that we're supposed to. But we, so we have to keep telling ourselves what the Word of God says and realize the true value of them, that these trials are needed for a season, that these trials do purify us, that these trials bring this true sense of reality to our walk with God, and that these trials are all because of the finished work of Christ. The, the end result is because of the finished work of Christ. And though we um, hear, these, hear these words over and over again many times, and perhaps you've listened to messages uh, concerning these certain trials and sufferings that you go through, uh, we find it is something that we continue to need to rehearse because just around the corner could be another season of trial that will come upon us. We're kind of, sometimes we're kind of blindsided by them. You know, sometimes they, they come, come on us so quickly that we say, I didn't know that was coming. <laughs> but then we, we find ourselves in the midst of one um, and then we begin to think again about what it means to have some sense of trial for our faith. So, our present joy is Christ. If these things are, are, are for our own benefit and the joy of our salvation is realized, then our present joy is Christ. It's not the trial, it's Christ. That's our present joy. Shall we pray? Loving Father, just thank you for your word to us. And to me, Lord, help me to realize of that present joy being in Christ. And each one of us to learn and to know that the kind of faith that we have is an enduring faith unto the praise and glory of the Lord our Savior. In Jesus' name, amen.